Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Beer and Money. I am Ryan Burklow. And I'm Alex Gaughan. And on today's episode, we're going to be talking about market volatility and what you should be doing or maybe what you shouldn't be doing. (laughs) Well, before we dive into that, Alex, what are we drinking today? So today we're drinking some Goose Island Bourbon County Stout. So I just took my first sip. It is a sweeter. It's much sweeter than I originally thought it would be. Yeah. That, uh, huh. That's interesting. It has a, is that a caramel flavor? Yeah. It's a very sweet caramel flavor. It's a stout. It's very thick. Um, it's definitely not one that I could drink. I mean, I'm not sure I could drink a full one, actually. Just it's, it's that, um, it's filling and, and it's that sweet as well. Yeah, this this would be this would be a good like winter beer where you know it's cold outside and you just want something that's going to warm you up and give you the you know holiday feeling and cheer and whatnot inside you. It's got to go with something. As I'm drinking it, it's this is a beer that I think would go better with a food item, and I can't really put my food item like I'm trying to figure out what that food item is. It's a it, from an alcohol percentage it has 14. percent So this one knock knock on your butt if you don't uh, if you're not careful. I've used at 60. Um, so this is a definitely unique stout that I that I've ever had um, from from Goose Island. What are your thoughts, Alex? The bourbon barrels that like you you're definitely getting a little bit of that bourbon taste, but it's it's sweetened up with a whole lot of something. Yeah. So overall, if I were to give it a bottle cap rating, I'm going to give it like a four, mainly because I think the sweetness is really getting to me. I might rate this differently if I had a food item to go with it. Yeah, it, this feels like it would pair nicely with like a a good dessert, a lighter dessert. Um. But yeah, it uh, it's got some. It, well, it's saying that it has uh, vanilla toffee, chocolate, burnt sugar, and dried fruit. I, I was definitely getting a little bit of the fruit, um, and I, I, I can definitely. You and I both picked up on the burnt sugar. Yep, yep. So try them out. You know, this is. I was well. What's your what's your rating? What's your bottle cap rating there, Alex? I, I'd go with a five. So. Uh, based on our rankings, it's it's not our favorite, but uh, as as anything else out there, everyone's got their own taste buds and, and unique flavor profiles. So if you're if you're in, I think if I was in a dessert mood, that might be hitting hitting differently. So I think that's a big piece in in our rating today. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, the sun's out; it's in May, and like we're drinking this beer at the wrong time for for what it is. Yeah. So. Well, let's transition into the, the topic here. So it's it's interesting, right? Today's May 16th, and you know there is a lot of articles going around in the, the talking media heads where, I mean, just this morning when I logged in, I think I counted like four, maybe even five articles of the I told you so uh, article, meaning like I told you that a recession was coming type of type of article out there and it, and it lists several different you know people out there that were warning us of the recession coming which it would always cracks me up because they've probably been saying it for 13 straight years <laughs> yeah uh, i mean it, it goes back to the old joke of uh economists have correctly predicted nine out of the last four recessions whereas yep. it, 
Like if you constantly predict something and then it happens. Shocking. The, so, the key thing here is, you know, Alex and I, we, we obviously read the news just because we know our clients are going to read the news and, and other people. And it's so funny watching the back and forth of, I mean, a couple months ago, it was everything from recession is coming to look at the, and then all of a sudden it turned, then all of a sudden it started coming back a little bit. It's gone back and forth all over the place today. And when you think about what it is these channels really are there for, how do they make their money? It's all, can we attract eyeballs and add revenue? And if they can't attract your eyeballs, they can't sell. So what attracts eyeballs, right? Fear is number one. It's always around fear. And number two is greed. Yep. And so those two pieces are always key. So when we're talking about market volatility and what's going on, so we've got three items to look at. These are probably the three that you've probably been hearing. I'm hoping we give it a little bit of, I don't want to say spin, but a little bit more knowledge into why these are the three to really consider. Right. And, and number one is understanding the real purpose of these financial news channels. Right. Not to say that they're bad people, but the fact of the matter is, is they can't have a channel unless they have money coming in the door. They don't have money coming in the door unless they're getting your eyeballs or your ears. 100 percent. And this is not saying don't educate yourself. It's understand what slant the education has. Yeah. And. Just know when you're when you're reading these articles, right? It's it's either fear or greed, and you really need to take into consideration how does this fit in your own financial situation, right? Because and this is nothing new. I think your listeners like Ryan, Alex, like this, like you're not telling me anything I don't know, and they're you're one hundred percent right, except for one thing. I think we all forget it. We all forget it because. Like even me, I don't normally read the financial news like every single day, but now it's just because of all of the news that are coming out, it's intriguing for me to 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 read and watch and, and hear what people are saying. And even funnier is how many of them come out and saying how they've been predicting it. It's kind of like, okay. <laughs> One, and we see the exact two things that we would expect. One is we see articles saying, hey, we predicted this and here's like what we can point to that we've published that says that we predicted it. Pay no attention to the other stuff we said, but this part we, we, we predicted it. And then the other component is like, Hey, the stock market's bottoming it out. Here's how to profit off of it. And like things of that nature where like, essentially it is fear and greed. Exactly. So again, number one, understand, understand the real purpose behind the financial news channels, right? We're not saying to not read them and educate yourself, but we are saying to make sure we, you take that and take that into consideration when you're reading it and how it pertains to your personal situation. Well, and the, the other big thing that is kind of looming in the background that doesn't get talked about a whole lot is like specifically what type of advertising gets done more on these financial channels than on than than normal channels and the answer Such as is what financial companies yep and like when you're talking about financial companies to a large extent they don't really care whether the market is going up or the market is going down they want you to create more transactions because the more transactions there are the more they wind up profiting and 100%. so 
so much of the content out there is designed and driven around how do we create transactions? And that's not necessarily what's good for you as the individual. We need like, we can't just buy and hold and never do anything. That's not good planning. But at the same time, the more transactions that we create, the higher the hurdle is to overcome the cost of those transactions. And so we need to make sure that we understand the hows and the whens and the whys of rebalancing, creating transactions, what our response is to these various different things that occur. Which takes us really to number two here, and that's adhering to your financial philosophy. And so yeah. step number one is make sure you have a financial philosophy, right? And we, we've had the, we've recorded an episode on financial philosophy. Really it's what is it you believe in and how, what's your strategy in when it comes to investing? Are you gonna adhere to it when the market is actually down, like Alex and I, we, it's, it's, this still cracks me up that we do this. Hopefully compliance doesn't like this. We have to do a risk tolerance questionnaire with all of our clients, right? We have to assess what risk tolerance you say you have. And, and really what that means is, okay, if the market goes down, what is your reaction gonna be? And because we've had over a decade of like huge returns, Many people were like, oh, yeah, if it goes down, I'm going to throw more money at it. Like until you experience it, and even if you have experienced it, when you don't experience it for 10 years, you actually forget what it felt like and what you would actually do in the situation. Well, it's easy to say, and it's not necessarily the easiest thing in the world to do. Like I think we can count on on one hand the number of clients that in March, April, even to a lesser extent, May of 2020, took cash off the sideline and chucked it into their portfolios. Like that's what that is talking about. Yeah, and I think a lot of people listening to this, especially the demographic that, that listens to this episode, they're probably thinking, well, I'm not going to cash, right? And it's not about you selling and going to cash, it's more of, okay, you're reading the news article or you're you've got this bad feeling are you making decisions differently financially speaking maybe not in the stocks that you own or the or portfolio that you own maybe you're tweaking the portfolio maybe you're not going to stocks maybe you're just changing what you own or changing or, future allocations right or what are you doing like maybe you had a setup where you were contributing $500 a month to your portfolio and you've stopped that. Right. That is a behavioral decision based on what's occurring. 100%. And then number three, this tags along with financial philosophy. You gotta think long-term. Yeah. If the money is designed to be short-term, we either shouldn't have any of it or shouldn't have certainly the vast majority of it invested in the market. If, if it's truly short-term, then treat it like it's short-term money. And if it's long-term, five years, 10 years, 15 years plus, and like we would argue that like, okay, even if you're 65, how much of your portfolio is long-term? A good chunk of it. And so when we think about it long-term, we need to make sure that we're matching the portfolio with what our goals and objectives are long term 
And so when we go through these short-term blips, yeah, it's going to impact the value of our portfolio, but at the same time, we can't allow it to impact our and direct and dictate our decisions. We need to try and strip the emotion component out of it and understand, yes, we're going to go through downturns. And that's why we segment the portfolio and have like, this segment is our zero to five year time period. This is our five to 10 year time period. And this is our 10 years plus time period. This is the portion of the portfolio that it doesn't matter what's going on in the market. We're still going to be able to generate this much income from it. Yeah, it's funny, a quick story. So I posted on LinkedIn the other day and it was just a real quick post. And the post said, deposited my monthly um, deposit into my portfolio or I invested my money essentially, like I always do every month. And I had someone actually direct message me and the, and the question was, I'm surprised you're still contributing to your investments given what the market's doing. And then they followed that up with, what are you putting your money in? Yeah. <laughs> and this, this is exactly what we're talking about here. If that question entered your mind, that's what we're talking about when we talk about behaviors. Right. I, I have a buddy of mine who's not a client. And one of the things that he's talked about is having put a significant amount of money into the market over the last little bit. And that is the perfect example of exactly the, the risk tolerance questionnaire that you were talking about earlier, Ryan of like, hey, would you put more money into the market in the event of a downturn? Well, the answer for that individual is yes. And here's the proof. Right. Like one of the things that we need to, like you and I talk about this when we talk about risk tolerance and when we talk about investment philosophy, and, and this is like right now we're going through an example of it. We work in one of the few industries, if not the only in the world, in which people routinely come in our door and say, what do you have that you've marked up 50%? I want to buy that. And what do you have that you've marked down 25%? Let me sell that back to you. Yep. And when I state it that way, it sounds insane. And yet it happens every time we go through either a market uh, upswing or a market downturn is we get people like staying those two things, one of those two things. Yep. So... Look, again, the three things that we would say consider is make sure you understand as you're reading the news, make sure you understand the real purpose behind those financial news channels, right? How are they making their money? Take in the information, but make sure you apply it to your personal situation. Don't make blanket decisions. Or any financial, like any person, like where, where is their bias coming from? Where is their educational background? And where do they benefit from it? Yep. And then number two, make sure- Including us. Exactly. Number two, make sure you're adhering to your financial philosophy. And if you're not adhering to it, if you don't know what your financial philosophy is, then number two is establish your financial philosophy. And then number three, make sure we're thinking long-term, right? The, the market's gonna go up and down a lot over your lifetime. Correct. And if we could easily predict it, there wouldn't be the statue of the bull on Wall Street, it'd be the statue of that person that easily predicted it. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. And one of the guys that you and I listen to an absolute ton, like one of the comments that he makes on a routine basis is, so the market downturns happen every how many years? And someone is, people have responses to that question though. Right. And the answer is there is no pattern. There is no exact pattern. Exactly. But people yeah. say like seven years, like I hear it all the time, one in seven years. 
And you can and, maybe play the average game, but the issue with that is if you chose the wrong year, that's a big mistake. Well, and it doesn't happen once every seven years. On average, it happens once every seven years. Like, and we can have like an entire podcast on like how, like if you work every, your entire financial plan off of averages, how far off you are likely going to be. Like it is just insane because real life doesn't work off of averages. We don't have two and a half kids, a dog, a cat, and a white picket fence. None of us are average. Yep. Which takes us to the question of the day, Alex. Yeah, our question today is, who is it that you listen to for your finances and what has you listening to them? Why are you listening to them? So head over to beerandmoney.net and at the bottom of the page, there's a spot for you to answer that question. If you got any value out of this episode, right? If, if we had, if we brought up things that you've been thinking and maybe this kind of calmed your, your mind kind of going all over the place, share it, share the episode, because I guarantee you, if you did, you probably have friends, family members, colleagues, that probably have the, the same thought. And the whole reason that we started this podcast was to be a resource for you to help you think differently about your money. And if on the flip side, it ramped you up and you have now more concern, that might be more reason to reach out to someone like us to have those conversations so that we can help get to a state of calm. Absolutely. We hope this episode was valuable for you. And as always, Alex. Cheers. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice. Although the information has been gathered from sources believed to be reliable, please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should be relied upon only when coordinated with individual professional advice. Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by Park Avenue Securities Guardian or Quantified Financial Partners and opinions stated are their own. Guardian, its subsidiaries, agents, and employees do not provide tax, legal, or accounting advice. Consult your tax, legal, or accounting professional regarding your individual situation. All investments and investment strategies contain risk and may lose value. This material is intended for general public use. By providing this content, Park Avenue Securities LLC is not undertaking to provide investment advice or a recommendation for any specific individual or situation or to otherwise act in a fiduciary capacity. Please contact a representative for guidance and information that is specific to your individual situation. Brian and Alex are registered representatives and financial advisors of Park Avenue Securities, LLC. OSJ 200 Market Street, Suite 1850, Portland, Oregon 97201. Phone number 503-221-1226. Securities products and advisory services offered through Park Avenue Securities member FINRA SIPC. Financial representatives of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. Park Avenue Securities is a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. Quantified Financial Partners is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Park Avenue Securities or Guardian. Ryan Burklow, AR Insurance License number 1531912. CA Insurance License number 0K24924. Alexander Collins, AR Insurance License number 7264699. CA Insurance License Number 0H24806. Pinpoint Number 2022-138606. Expiration May 2024.